Hi, this is Better Red Than Dead, a literature podcast from a left perspective. I'm Megan. I'm Tristan. I'm Katie. And today we are wrapping up our 2021 Halloween series with The Picture of Dorian Gray, which is Oscar Wilde's 1890 and 1891 novel about a libertine aristocrat with a portrait that records the ravages of his sins while he remains a hot and youthful golden-haired dandy. Indeed. So Tristan, why, uh, why Dorian Gray? Why Wilde? Yeah, this novel is dope as hell. I read it ages ago and loved it. And then I had an MA student write a really terrific thesis on it a couple of years ago. So shout out to Cameron on Dorian Gray's epistemological concerns, uh, you know, the whole connection or lack thereof between fiction and the real. And, you know, more broadly, Wilde is just a compelling figure, both a very cool uh, writer and intellectual and a socialist. We do need to stress that. Absolutely. Yeah. And also his famously tragic bio. I'll, I'll talk about this in the context. But in the 1890s, at the height of his literary and theatrical fame, um, even though he might be most famous for Dorian Gray, which is his only novel, which I actually didn't know that. I was kind of surprised to, to learn. He was most well regarded uh, during the 1890s as, as a playwright. And so at the peak of that, he gets prosecuted for sodomy, which both bankrupts him and, as you can imagine, totally destroys his health. He dies only a few years later in Paris at the age of 46, which, you know, so famous and very sad story. Wild homosexuality is, is well known. There are a ton of queer readings of this book, which I think, as we'll get into, very much invites that lens openly and explicitly. Like it's really, really not hiding the uh, the the overt homoeroticism in a way that you're like, wow, this was this was published, you know, by mainstream yeah. press in the 1890s. Uh, Nobody's hiding it. No. A lot of emotional wrestling matches between hot guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know for sure. Also, you know, Wilde was an aesthete. Uh, he really took aesthetic theory very seriously. He worked to develop his own aesthetic theory. Uh, and as friend of the pod, Hillary Strang pointed out to me, a, a vulgar Marxist Philistine on such matters, um, <laughs> a- aesthetics offered a ton of potential in the late Victorian period for freedom and even subversion of certain arch Victorian moral codes, which is cool. And we'll, uh, you know, I mean, we'll definitely talk about that. Plus, Wilde was Irish, and in keeping with our commie Republican sympathies, uh, an, an Irishman giving a huge fuck you to the British imperial establishment mm-hmm, rocks. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. So, the yeah. wild Irish wild. <laughs> so I haven't read this book by Oscar Fingal O'Flaherty Wills McGillicuddy <laughs> Silly Pants O'Fiddle-Faddle Wild. <laughs> in I haven't read in ten years, but I love his multi his many names, Oscar many names, and somehow my leaky brain allowed me to forget the shamelessness of its figurative language. Like every inanimate object, and a number of animate objects have sexy language <laughs> embedded in them. So, oh, like, yeah. there are approximately forty to seven different kinds of fuck flowers in this book. <laughs> Like, we have Jasmine for describing someone's very white, fuckable face. And roses that are for both mouths and buttholes. And also, like, wounds that have, like, rose tint to them and i'm gonna quote some of this by this so if our our listeners are like oh that that must be hyperbole or something like no 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 no. i mean the fucked up thing is that on this show we often say things that are like direct quotations from the book because our listeners do not believe that things are like as smutty (laughs) or stupid as they really are yes who, who could 
Right, exactly. <laughs> like healthy skepticism. Yeah, we've all read Sir Walter Scott. Um, <laughs> so we have like roseate buttholes, uh, and there aren't any vulvas in this book. So we're spared some like Georgia O'Keeffe descriptions, but <laughs> I think you uh, one could write a book. That was about gladiolus if you wanted to have a different kind of not like I think you could write that novel too. What do those look like? <laughs> I'm actually serious. I don't know. Okay. It, You're gesturing. It has okay. it has a sort of fl- fluttery frame. It and a, and it has a it has a it's like weird to say hole, but it's like a dip in the center. Okay. I just wasn't I thought maybe yeah. it looked like titties, maybe it looked like <laughs> a nice no. big butt, maybe, yeah. you know. No, they're just they're like sweet little like they have a multicolored uh labia. Ah, okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> they, sound, I mean, they sound lovely. They're not even the sexiest flower that it's just a it's also like a word I like to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a it it is a word that looks funny and kind of smutty. Yes, right? yeah, yeah, right. And gladiator, right? So it's like mm, yeah. it's like gladiator little... anus. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But in this <laughs> version, it's the the vulva that is not in this book ever. And okay, so like decorative objects are sexy too. So like flowers, lovely, like natural. But also, there's a moment where Lord Henry is describing a vase to Dorian and he says, direct quote, say, um, that vase looks like a dildo, my dear rose white himbo Dorian. Uh, what say we use it as a dildo? Yeah. That's <laughs> what you say to your dear rose white himbo. That's right. Yeah. Um, and that is a very hairy moment because he mostly speaks in quips. He's like a yeah. quips guy. Yeah, yeah, he sure is. Yeah. And that's like a tick that I respect a lot, but I will not do it today because I think it's probably like a great quality in a literary character and a terrible, terrible quality in a human life being. Yeah, I have to say, by the end of the novel, it's pretty annoying in the literary character, too. It yeah, really true. is. But, yeah, I don't want to hear any more sayings uh, or phrases. <laughs> no aphorisms today. Thank yeah. you. Also, Megan, on on your um, critical uh, term of the fuck flower, I mean, there's there's there right. I mean, so George O'Keefe famously, but I have to say that one thing that this specifically was bringing to mind is there. So a, a, a YouTube channel that I watched was all about kind of like early video game history. Did this thing on this early CD-ROM, uh, not game, but just like an educational thing, very much geared for kind of like petty bourgeois, like kind of book clubby person. The flowers of Robert Maplethorpe. Because Robert Maplethorpe, in addition to his like explicitly queer and and highly sexual photography, I mean, which he's very famous for uh, and, and and really amazing stuff, photographed a lot of flowers. Uh, so I, I bet they also look very uh, sexy. Well, I mean, but the thing is, like the way it's presented, it just kind of like totally elides that aspect of it, which is it's an, an amazing like early nineties. I mean, I feel like project. a certain kind of reader of this novel could be like. What the how dare you yes. fuck flowers? <laughs> These are just elegant rose yeah. roseate yeah, 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 yeah. flowers in a book about a man who has curly golden hair that I'd like to fuck. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this is gonna be a wild episode, folks. We knew it would be. It was in the text prep thread that we were like, this is gonna be a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. This isn't gonna be for everyone, but buckle in. Because if it's for you. <laughs> You're going to love it. for my mom. 
or any other immediate relations. But no, the reason that I wanted to read it was because I have certain views and opinions about art. I think that since the dawn of recorded art time, which is when that dude said that a toilet was art, art has been stupid. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Oh, um, coming from Marcel <laughs> Duchamp this afternoon. Whoa. Yep. Yep. I, I'm 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 eighty percent joking, but yeah, I'm I'm like seventy five percent joking, which is <laughs> the best. You know, I mean, what that's the best you're gonna do percentage wise seriousness with me. So, <laughs> um, but no, this, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. But this book, in fact, is delightful. The my take on it is that is that it's like um, if any of the characters on the 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 Lena Dunham vehicle girls had a magic painting that could do their responsibilities for them so they could do more drugs. Um, this is sort of how <laughs> and she fuck would more useless men. Yes, precisely. So I think this is so I think I was getting a taste of something that felt a little modern. And I as we've discussed a little bit as we've touched on with the aphorism, the preface and a lot of the book and a full character is like the Baz Luhrmann song about suntan lotion, but that's actually about life truths, you know. <laughs> you know, the one that you get that mixed up with the vitamin C song that was sort of similar. You too will get old. And when you do, you'll fantasize that we're um, really <laughs> dating myself. Uh, yeah, uh, I, actually, I don't catch this mid-90s uh, cultural reference, but we'll drop in what you're talking about in the background. So, yeah. You know, sorry. <laughs> Slap on a bucket hat and get ready. <laughs> Those are back, apparently. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I had one from Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville restaurant, and I'm going to pull it back out. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it looked really good on me because I had these DKNY platforms. But uh, I think that this book, there there are many kinds of art. And this is a very particular sort of art that's like Halloween and Instagram grifter. And it's a delight to get to read. And I will say that someone that I know has used face cream made out of baby foreskins. That's real. Should look young. So the the whole notion of the painting, you know, the, the aging painting. And the sinning painting, it doesn't seem that far fetched to me. You know, I, I would say we need to back up, but I also don't know that we should. Right. I think maybe I also we I'm not sure I want more information, even though I'm confused. Maybe let's just they move were on. Just going to throw them away, so they made um, expensive face cream out of it. Oh, okay, yeah, it's All real. Right. <laughs> I swear. Oh no, it's not that. I do. I certainly believe you. That's not the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. no, no. It's yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to try to forget that. But okay. um, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so. No emails with further information. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, Tweet so at all of us and your boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh god okay so today we were talking about queerness the confluence of irony comedy and tragedy and about acting fakery and this novel's accounts of artistry tristan will you give us the summary so we read the 1891 full novel version of the picture of dorian gray and the text has a somewhat complicated publication history. So it was first published as a novella in Lippincott's Monthly Magazine, which was a, a U.S. publication, the year before, so in 1890. And critics freaked the fuck out in large part because it was so explicitly <laughs> queer, right? Like 
The version we read, Wild both expanded to make it a full novel um, and, you know, adding some complexity to the plot. But he also bowdlerized it, and I have to say, very lightly. (laughs) So... I'll give you an example. In the 1890 version, the the painter character Basil Howard speaks of the, quote, extraordinary romance he feels for Dorian that he had put into the painting. And in 1891, that becomes artistic idolatry. So extraordinary romance to artistic idolatry, which it's like that. Is that, I mean, there's, it's kind of the same thing, right? Except it adds that extra dynamic of obsessiveness, which yes. yeah. is yeah. like, oh, that seems not, not sexy it's like first i wanted to fuck you and second i wanted to fuck you and your jesus yes (laughs) yes exactly even in the 1891 version basil goes on at length about how he feels quote dominated by dorian and yes a very horny way i also have to say this book loves the verb to dominate i mean to an extent that i think even in explicitly like ds porn you're going to see a variance <laughs> used in a way that this novel doesn't right yeah somebody's going to pull out the thesaurus at least in those cases yeah exactly exactly yeah and they're going to use it to look up words <laughs> So it's it's actually really interesting to compare the two, um, and my recommendation would be to read the full 1891 version, but also get yourself an annotated edition like the Penguin um, that marks the edits from the 1891, so you can just sort of see what was changed. Wild for the 1891 version also added a short preface, which is basically a list of aesthetic maxims of his that is, I don't know, kind of annoying, really annoying, but also compelling. And, and I think it, like intentionally both of those things, like it, it he is kind of fucking with you, although also saying some serious things about how he wants you to read the book. So I'll just give you a bunch of these uh, stuff like the artist is the creator of beautiful things to reveal art. It could seal the artist is art's aim. Those who find ugly meanings in beautiful things are corrupt without being charming. This is a fault. They are the elect to whom beautiful things mean only beauty. The 19th century dislike of realism is the rage of Caliban seeing his own face in a glass. The 19th century dislike of romanticism is the rage of Caliban not seeing his own face in a glass. I that I actually think okay, like that's that's a really interesting claim there. Also, like seeing something beautiful and looking for something ugly is like one of the ideas of this book is it's like because it's there. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. <laughs> right, like yeah. it's inevitably in the backdrop, so it's a little like winking. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think I think that the next I mean, I, I I will wrap up. I'm not doing the whole preface, but I think it gets to to like the sort of like the, the, the question of moral and like di- the didactic, which was such a fixation of the Victorian novel. Wilde's like, fuck that. That's stupid. So no artist has ethical sympathies and ethical sympathy in an artist is an unpardonable mannerism of style. Um, vice and virtue are to the artist uh, materials for art. It is the spectator and not life that art really mirrors, which I, I don't know like that. Yeah. There's even within the preface, like there's some contradictions because first we're focused on the artist. Now we're focused on the spectator and I, you know, without sort of announcing the, how we're moving between those two. And then uh, yeah, the, the only excuse for making a useless thing is that one admires it intensely. All art is quite useless. So a profoundly anti kind of utilitarian idea of what novel writing is, but but also, I mean, specifically here, what visual art is. But also that art is, and this is very, excuse me, like Frankfurt School thing to do, but like, if it's useless, then it's not a, an object of capital because it can't be deployed. Yes. And that's, I'm not making like a art isn't capital, like I'm not making that kind of claim. I'm just saying that that sentence does something with that. 
Yeah, no, definitely. And and I will say, so like, this is, I mean, there have definitely been sort of aesthetic movements through history that have skewed like highly kind of right wing, right? Like, and, and, and very, and very, just very kind of like, I mean, frankly, I mean, it was like, you know, one, uh, one of Walter Benjamin's claims about fascism, right, is that, that it's the aestheticization of politics. Yeah. And like I was, kind, you know, again, like vulgar Marxist. I'm kind of like, yeah, hey, wait, I, I, I'm not down for that. Like, what's happening here? But, but I do think that, like, it, like in this case, what Wilde is saying is really undercutting this whole like dumbass, like petty bourgeois Victorian moral code that everything has to have a fucking didactic point, and you know, just like reducing everything to this like extremely stupid version of like it has to teach you how to be a moral yeah. actor yeah. or something, you know. Um, and, and in a way that's like obviously highly limiting for like you know sexuality. Right. I mean, because like one thing that's being created there is this idea of the normative. Um, so in, in, in what Wilde's doing with it, I do think uh, is, is quite liberatory, which is cool. It just doesn't sound like it. You know, on first read, yeah. you kind of go like art isn't good for anything. And it's like, oh, no, art isn't good for, for use, which is different. I, when I first started reading this, was I think a little bit tempted to read uh, Lord Henry, who I'll, I'll introduce in just a second, that his view as the viewpoint of the novel, which I think is a mistake. I, I don't think those two things really conflate yeah. with each other. The, the preface itself, the piling on of these, makes it, he's pulling our leg a little. Oh, sure. I agree. Yeah. This isn't like straight-faced shit about how making useless things is somehow grand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We also have all read or seen Oscar Wilde before, I think, we're intended to as readers. So it's like, you know, you yeah. know he's fucking with you, at least a little. Yeah. My read on the preface is really that it's both, it is offering some oddest uh, idea of how to read this, but at the same time is like fucking with you, which is, that's a typically wild thing. Like the, 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 the paradox he loves, which I do think goes very much deeply to like questions of sexuality and queerness among other things for sure. So to the story itself, which is actually pretty basic, it's quite like it's really a melodrama of that kind of Victorian mode, but very well done. So I'll just hit the big plot points uh, and quote some of the more interesting stylistic and conceptual passages. So we start in the London townhouse garden of Basil Howard, uh, the painter that I mentioned just a minute ago, and his uh mephistophelesian friend lord Hen i mean i think that that's the right term for him, right i mean he is like i mean he's yeah i mean he's kind of a devil figure right yeah, yeah. i think that's right lord like, a like a sexy devil who yeah. got oh, yeah. his everyone costume and hall everyone yeah, is sexy in this book yeah yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah yeah and his yeah so this guy's name is lord henry watton so he's an aristocrat it's summer, and the description of the scene is, uh, I don't know, edetic, uh, no, like romance novel cover. Yeah, more like Closer. that. Closer, yeah. <laughs> uh, very yeah. turnt. We're we're yeah. getting we're getting to Megan's uh, fuck flowers here. Uh, so here here's this is uh, the the novel is just loaded with descriptions like I'm about to give you. The studio was filled with the rich odor of roses, as when and when the light summer wind stirred amidst the trees of the garden, there came through the open door the heavy scent of the lilac or the more delicate perfume of the pink flowered thorn. From the corner of the divan of Persian saddlebags on which he was lying, smoking as was his custom, innumerable cigarettes. Lord Henry Watton could just catch the gleam of the honey sweet and the honey colored blossoms of a laburnum whose tremulous branches seemed hardly able to bear the burden of a beauty so flame like as theirs. Like, whew, it's whew, getting hot in here. Take a deep breath here. Yeah, right. <laughs> <And> this <laughs> prepuce colored 
divan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I was, is, it, is it hot in here? Or is that a flame-like flower? Yeah, yes. <laughs> it, just tons and tons of descriptions like that throughout the the novel. Um, you know, and certainly the idea of beauty being front and center here. Uh, it, it is prose that looks like a. a style of painting i mean honestly not even this is kind of like fragonard shit really right like from a previous century but but also like definitely created an erotic atmosphere almost exclusively among and between men i mean there 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 are uh, sort of heterosexual liaisons in this but they are very subordinate to you know queer desire they're and, pretty and flat, flat like not characterized nearly so flowery no, and and they and they they tend to have a very specific kind of plot function, um, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, which is much less, much more contained than the the sort of homoeroticism. So we learn in this uh, in this chapter that Basil had been hard at work on a painting he thinks will be his masterpiece, which is a portrait of his young, extremely hot friend Dorian Gray, whom Lord Henry has never met but really wants to. But Basil starts out quite protective of Dorian uh, in a very kind of like sexually jealous sort of way. I mean, I don't think there's any other way to read that. Because Lord Henry has beautiful flower-like hands. Yes. For beautiful flower-like fisting activities (laughs) that are perhaps lightly implied he has a he, he has a very immaculate goatee right i mean he's just he yeah everywhere yeah it's uh i don't know that then smells great <laughs> I guess it's funny to, like, if you look at pictures of oscar wilde uh i i megan i think i said this to you uh he has to be the only man in ni- late 19th century britain that was like fuck no i'm not growing a beard <laughs> you know, like, or ridiculous sideburns that yeah. are just like truly yeah. like oh is that like the decorative mode that you're taking yeah, when you have yeah. all these cool cravats and and yeah. hats and yeah. waistcoats and bullshit that you can decorate with. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I mean, he, yeah, he, the guy is a hundred percent right. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm, hey, wear whatever facial hair you want to, but man, those Victorian styles were fucking weird. <laughs> you know? He also uh, has like some dope ass regular hair, so like, yeah. why distract from it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. So yeah, so Basil's trying to keep Dorian away from Lord Henry, and and he says partially for fear that Lord Henry will corrupt him. Uh, which is a word that gets used a lot. And Lord Henry throughout has the somewhat obnoxious pose of a committed cynic. Like this was like Megan's thinking about all the one liners that are kind of annoying. So like pleasure and amusement are his guiding principles. He has no time for late Victorian petty bourgeois morality. And to that degree, I do think that his perspective overlaps with the novels. And this is the annoying part. He just like, yeah, an endless stream of cynical one-liners and maxims. So, I mean, as some examples, conscience and cowardice are really the same thing, Basil. Conscience is the trade name of the firm. (laughs) 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 Later, never marry at all, Dorian. Men marry because they are tired. Women because they are curious. Both are disappointed. Like a a lot of these are very, I mean, the misogyny Uh, is like very much on the surface here. Men are from Mars. Women are from the trash planet. Planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well, right i mean and it's yeah what well, at least in part driving the misogyny of course is that like okay well this is the quote-unquote appropriate sexual object that's trying to like work its way into a space that we want to very much kind of keep away from from uh from that normativity in addition to i think just straight up misogyny you know i think that's you know and and, and i think you know like we're that that is like one of the ways in which the novel probably distinct which is itself from what Lord Henry is doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
uh yeah and here like here's another one i mean probably the, the the worst example of this in the novel my dear boy no woman is a genius women are a decorative sex they never have anything to say but they say it charmingly women represent the triumph of matter over mind just as men represent the triumph of mind over morals like okay uh, um yeah, <laughs> so, yeah cool yeah. cool guy yeah, yeah. uh it was one of my uh is uh, yes uh one of my uh friends uh, from a long time ago would have said my, my, my arm isn't long enough for the jerk off motion in my heart over that shit. <laughs> 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 yeah so he he's like the worst well actually twitter reply guy you know, he really is, but he's also beautiful. Everyone's beautiful. They're all beautiful, beautiful men, all very hot. Basil does suggest, I think not persuasively that Lord Henry is full of shit. So he says this line, which again, I like, this seems very much wishful thinking to be on Basil's part. I believe that you really are a very good husband, but that you are thoroughly ashamed of your own morals. You are an extraordinary fellow. You never say a moral thing and you never do a wrong thing. Your cynicism is simply a pose, which I don't think is true at all. I mean, I think his cynicism is quite honest. I mean, I think there's a couple, but I think there's a couple readings. Like, I think that's totally there. I think it's also there that, like, that's what Basil wants to think, right? So there's, like, something about him. But then there's also, like, well, we know that everybody in this book is pretending to be something important that they really aren't. And so whether it's true or not, I think it's the calling attention to it that's interesting to me. Well, and I don't think Lord Henry wanted Dorian, for instance, as we'll get to, to become a murderer. Like, I don't think no. that that was what he was setting things off on. I, you know, so he. Um, for me, it's calling attention to the possibility of this as a pose. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I agree. And it, it, yeah, it, it is worth keeping that as kind of a, a tension or a moment of ambiguity. I think you're right. It's not it's not resolved. But yeah, it, and, and I think it is a little bit both ways. And it is kind of Basil's wishful thinking, but it also probably does tell us something that you'd be a little bit skeptical about what this character represents and right. like what he, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there is that thing he says next, being natural, simply pose the most irritating pose. I know that's interesting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because yeah. it does have a kind of flavor of something that I think he says later, which is basically if you're a bullshit artist, you you just have more personalities, actually. So you're just oh, yeah, yeah. double the person. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. And mm-hmm. being natural is not the most annoying pose. Planking is the most annoying pose. Yeah, please. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, uh, Yeah. True. Okay. So as we said, Basil is quite obsessed with Dorian. Quote, as long as I live, the personality of Dorian Gray will dominate me. Usage number one of 352 <laughs> in this book. It's only a couple hundred pages. You can't feel what I feel. You change too often. So this is said to Lord Henry. This is another big theme in the novel, right? Again, dominate. Highly sexually charged, of course, but also this kind of pervasive fear or enticement. Yeah. I mean, it's like operating in two levels. In the one sense, it is like sexy dominate and the other hand, like something getting out of your control in a way that is mm-hmm. is threatening in some way. On that, people are dominated by our passions in this novel. We're, we're dominated by others. We seek to dominate others. Like you see it again and again, often in the context of relationships between men, but not exclusively. 
this feeling of being dominated is what makes Basil super secretive about the picture and his friendship with Dorian Gray. But guess what? Lord Henry dominates Basil and gets to meet Dorian and immediately becomes his new best friend, right? So Basil's like, oh, I wish you would leave. And Lord Henry's like, mm, no. And he doesn't. And then Dorian like stops being friends with Basil, basically. So Basil finishes the painting. He refuses to sell it to Lord Henry, but instead gives it to Dorian. And then this launches the lengthy chain of unfortunate events that follow. Well, why would he give it to Lord Henry when he knows he would just lick it all day? <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's all Dorian was going to do with him well, before it turned out to be a magic. Painting. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think Lord Henry offers to buy it too. And Basil, it's not, it's not for sale. It, yeah. So. Oh no, that's what I mean. He offers to buy it just so he can yeah. lick it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, sure. So, as much as Dorian has captivated slash dominated Basil, Lord Henry captivates slash dominates him, and and vice versa. We should note, I think, right? I mean, it's it's not just you. Uni- I mean, it's. I mean, Lord Henry is the kind of like mastermind of a lot of what's happening, but it. I mean, he's definitely, I think, under Dorian's spell as well, right? He's on his own bullshit for sure, <laughs> but yeah. he's saying these aphorisms to everyone, but he is also on Dorian's bullshit big time. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I think absolutely. And the novel really presents Dorian's friendship with Lord Henry as the beginning of his loss of innocence or like something to that effect. I don't know if that's the right way to think of it, but I, I mean, it's it's something in that vein. That barely makes any sense. I think we'll probably talk about it, but it just, it doesn't track. No, I, I, yeah, I mean, what, so I mean, do, what do we know about Dory before? He's young. Uh, he's had kind he's of a dumb. Sh- <laughs> yeah, he's dumb. He's hot. Yeah, yeah, he's hot. He's uh, the third thing. He does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's that third thing that we won't say, although why not? I mean, given <laughs> the direction <laughs> of this show. Yeah, but like he's he's had a shitty relationship with his you know, with his asshole aristocrat family. But yeah, anyway, like, okay, innocent in what sense, you know? Meanwhile, Lord Henry sees Dorian almost from the outset as a kind of experiment in hedonism. Like he takes some twisted pedagogical interest in converting Dorian to pure hedonism and pleasure. He gives him a mysterious book, which is unnamed, uh, but described as, quote, poisonous, which is really interesting because that's an adjective that conservative critics also applied to the picture of Dorian Gray, <laughs> like when the 1890 version came out. Is this the one in the yellow covers? Yes, the yellow, okay. yeah, the mysterious yellow book. That's supposed to mean something, and I've heard, but I don't know what it means because I was too lazy to Google it. The, yeah, yeah, the yellow, yeah, I'm sure it does. But I also, I also didn't look it up because at some point I was just tired of the symbols in this novel. No, no, yeah, that makes perfect. You were like, that's enough flowers and yeah. fuckable lamps yeah. for me. Thank I, you. I'm sure. I mean, one of our readers who, uh, you know, is, is uh, more of a fan or like more, uh, you know, just uh, knows more about this book. Uh, one of our readers or listeners. This is an audio format. Uh, could, could write <laughs> I love us to, to read the podcast. <laughs> to, we all do. Could write to to, to tell us what uh, what that book, you know, is supposed to symbolize other than it's, po- yeah, it's poisonous and it kind of comes to structure the rest of Dorian's life and it's, uh, and it's, it's, uh, it, it's sort of dark knowledge or whatever. And yes, on the idea of experiments, some critics, and I'll talk just a little bit about this in the context, have seen Wild as playing with ideas of science and aestheticism. Yeah, so like that actually, like when Lord Henry like is talking about this kind of as an experiment, we are support supposed to sort of think in that mood that it is saying something about Victorian like knowledge production in some way. He's like he's experimenting more like 
you're scared your teen is experimenting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God. When I was in, oh, man, when I was in elementary school, like elementary school, this is like height of drug war paranoia. Like, I it was like some dare video we had to, like, it was about like some six years, like, not six year old, like some sixth grader, like, smoked crack and died. And it was like, I remember the kids in the videos, like, you want to be a scientist. Don't you want to do an experiment? And like, I give my like 11 year old self credit of even at that age being like this is fucking dumb (laughs) (laughs) anyway and also that's the way you get a kid to do crack yeah 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 like yeah oh man oh man at that era like the the whole fucking dare program was like drug dealers are waiting outside the first grade recess to give you lsd (laughs) and they give it out yeah they just give it out that's what they do they're running an altruistic operation yeah <laughs> yeah, they got some Ken Kesey. They got a Ken Kesey yeah. bus waiting for you. Five hundred one C three. This is a charity operation. Yeah. Uh, TLDR: The eighties, nineties were a very dark time, folks. Um, oh yeah, before I got my driver's license in suburban Atlanta, I had to take a anti drugs class in which the cop uh, assured us that marijuana gives you flashbacks. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah. that's a real mm-hmm. thing that happens. Yeah, oh, sure. I'm, I'm having, having one right now. Now you have one right now. Oh no, <laughs> the the indica's got me. <laughs> but okay, so actually, no, the novel does like the way that we'll, we'll talk a lot about the way the novel resolves. But it does start down what looks in a lot of ways like a Victorian moral didactic tale, right? So Dorian falls in love with the teenage Sybil Vane, who's an actress at a third-rate theater. Dorian abandons her when her acting falls apart because she's so in love with him. And here's what Lord Henry thinks of the whole affair. Quote, he was conscious and the thought brought... So this is like doing my sort of close third with Lord Henry. He was conscious and the thought brought a gleam of pleasure into his brown agate eyes. Not why do we need to know that here? (laughs) We just do, right? (laughs) That is how hot his eyes are. Uh, That it was through certain words of his musical words said with musical utterance, the Dorian's Dorian Gray's soul had turned to this white girl and bowed and worshipped before her. To a large extent, the lad was his own creation, meaning Lord Henry's. Uh, He had made him premature. That was something. Ordinary people waited till life disclosed to them its secrets, but to the few, to the elect, the mysteries of life were revealed before the veil was drawn away. Yes, the lad was premature. He was gathering his harvest while it was yet spring. The pulse and passion of youth were in him, but he was becoming self-conscious. It was delightful to watch him with his beautiful face and his beautiful soul. He was a thing to wonder at. It was no matter how it all ended or was destined to end. He was like one of those gracious figures in a pageant or a play whose joy seemed to be remote from one, but whose sorrows stir one's sense of beauty and whose wounds are like red roses, soul and body, body and soul, how mysterious they are. Or, sorry, how mysterious they were. There was animalism in the soul and the body had its moments of spirituality. The senses could revine, the uh, intellect could degrade. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's a long way of saying he was hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I but what like he was premature or like what do you, like wh- okay so like let's take seriously that Lord Henry is staging some sort of experiment in like hedonism or like how basically how kind of committed to pleasure someone could be like does do you have like what is the claim there that I, I don't I mean like this idea of premature like what like okay so he's trying to like he's trying to get Dorian who's like not of the age uh to have like intuited this philosophy or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. What did you guys make of that? 
Well, he gave him too much education or something, right? He had made him premature. Yeah. To me, it's like Dorian went out there and like tried to get some before he was like sufficiently knowledgeable and cynical. So you okay? So like Lord Henry cynicism and some sort of kind of developed armor that might allow you to do this in a way that preserves some coherence that Dorian yet doesn't have or something Maybe. like that. I don't know. I'm like really talking out of my butt right now, but it's something to the effect of like he doesn't he doesn't have that like while he says he's self conscious, it's that he doesn't have enough sort of like capacity to put himself to the side, mm-hmm. like to mm-hmm. just do what he wants without like making it true or real or something yeah okay i just don't believe any of it i believe zero because the the whole thing about like he can take him to as many parties as he wants the whole thing with sybil is that was his self-suck that didn't work out yeah and they do sort of shit on her acting lord henry does but it's not like uh, anyone apparently from reading the passage could watch that and be fooled in some way or that Lord Henry has revealed something that Dorian doesn't see or that he's not a typical seducer figure. He doesn't seem to lay down some kind of like primrose path for him or anything. If anything, it's our good friend Herbaceous Basil who <laughs> shouldn't have painted the picture of him. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, okay. And I even, you know, like, well... <laughs> We'll come back to this idea when we get to the ending, because I do think like that the ending resolves in this, what even the kind of like conservative critics of the time were like, this is too stupid to like work, <laughs> like that it, it does. I mean, like it, there, there's like a moral tale uh, emerging here that I think is at odds with some of the really interesting conceptual things the novel wants to state. So let, let's, yeah, let's, let's come back to that when we get there. So yeah, Dorian abandoned Sybil in this high scene of melodrama and like literally like Sybil's mob is an ex actress of the melodramatic stage, which was a, uh, you know, mid 19th century. And her brother is a thing. big burly gruff sort who would protect her honor under all circumstances. Of course. Yes. His brother's like, no one fucks my sister but me. No, no. He's <laughs> about, about to go off to Australia too. As, uh, right. As, you know, as, right. Uh, catch as, sheep with his bare hands. Yes, as the, the, the masculinist project of the, you know, or the, yeah. you know, if, if you're not transported, right? Yeah. And and, and Wilde is definitely uh, doing at least kind of a pastiche of melodrama here, I think. So interestingly, we're told that Sybil's acting fell apart because once she felt true love and attraction, she couldn't convincingly fake it anymore on the stage. And Dorian had, of course, only loved the characters that she was playing. So Sybil commits suicide. And now for for nothing when she's playing, when she's she's in As You Like It, right? She keeps playing boy roles. Oh, really? Isn't she in Romeo and Juliet, too? Yeah, but she's also Rosalind and... Rosalind is a woman, though, right? Playing a man. Ros, right? Good. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. I t- it's been so long. I totally forgot. Like most of as you like it, but you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's pl- there's just like it's not again. She's she's Juliet too, but it's like right. his his queerness yeah. is a much more like moving thing. It's not yeah. directed exclusively at men, but at like um, masculinized women or feminized. You know, like that. There no, are all these right. other many genders. Yep. No, absolutely. No, that's that's a great that's a great catch. That's I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. So Sybil commits suicide, and now for the first time, <gasps> Dorian's portrait starts to change. In the dim arrested light that struggled through the cream-colored silk blinds, the face appeared to him to be a little changed. The expression looked different. One would have said that there was a touch of cruelty in the mouth, like dun dun dun. <laughs> 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 like, 
This both horrifies Dorian and entices him because he remembers that when Basil had completed the portrait, he had wished for the portrait to grow old while he stays young. And that is, of course, as you know, what happens. So, okay, got to do the rest of the novel, just a couple minutes here. So we fast forward 18 years. And basically the implication is that Dorian has been fucking, you know, by implication, I think men and women uh, and, and, and opium smoking his way all over London. And doing flower things. And doing flower things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> In many it's different ways. Yeah. He's still as hot as ever, but the portrait which he long locked away in his attic has gotten older and more and more corrupted. So at one point, Basil confronts him about the rumors, asking him, and I think this line is crucial, why is your friendship so fatal to young men? Dorian is, when what is described as an act of cruelty, but I think also conf- like gestures towards the confession as well, and like contrition in some way, it shows Basil the painting. Basil is horrified, and then Dorian murders him. He, he stabs him in the back. And um, as we all in know. The yeah, in the vein. Yeah. yeah. And as it's Oscar so- Wilde once said, a true friend stabs you in the front. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was yeah, a, he's you know. a quippy motherfucker himself. Yeah. Uh, no, he was. I mean, and again, like, I mean, Lord Henry is supposed to be obnoxious. Like, there's there is some humor there, but like, yeah, it's, yeah Oscar Wilde loved doing that shit too. He sure did. So, yeah. So, okay. So uh, Dorian then bl- he's got to go rid of the body, and he doesn't have any Walter White around, so he he gets one. <laughs> he he blackmails a young man uh, who is a scientist, you know, chemist, and, and an ex friend of Dorian's to help him dispose of the body. But generally, he just gets more and more paranoid from this point. Late in the novel, James Vane, who Megan mentioned, Civil Vane's brother, tracks Dorian down but gets shot and killed by an aristocrat that Dorian is hunting with. Like he's got like James is kind of like hiding in the bushes and he gets shot by this guy, which is a total accident, but a very weird kind of contingency. It's the guy getting bonked on the head by a bucket and carry. Like we have yeah. to kill the character, but we can't orient it like a specific person in our main line of characterization can't do it right like if we don't want uh james to kill dorian he's got to disappear in some way and so this 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 does that or dorian to kill james right right? right. like as a yeah i mean i don't know he could have like thrown james through the painting and that could have been the end of it or something but yeah throw a sailor and through a painting god damn it oscar i've been dead 130 years i got some notes for you sir (laughs) (laughs) comments on your draft (laughs) yeah uh so dorian decides to reform he tells lord henry he's going to reform which lord henry thinks is ridiculous uh but the picture doesn't get any less repulsive after he has this uh change of heart so we're told he could see no change say that in the eyes there was the look of cunning and in the mouth the curved wrinkle of the hypocrite (laughs) which is pretty great (laughs) the painting knows he's full of bullshit yeah it sure sure does so dorian stabs the painting we hear a shriek when the servants entered they found hanging upon the wall a splendid portrait of their master as they had last seen him and all the wonder of his exquisite youth and beauty lying on the floor was a dead man in evening dress with a knife in his heart he was withered wrinkled and loathsome of visage it was not uh, till they had examined the rings that they recognized who it was. End of the novel. Amazing. Yeah. And now it's officially it's the Halloween book. <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I'm sorry, but if you have a magic painting, don't you wouldn't don't stab that. Yeah. No, don't. No, no exactly. That's go. Exactly. They didn't have Botox back then, though. Okay. Yeah. So you, your your yeah. options are limited. They, I'm sure they had some sort of anti aging cream that was based on mercury. mercury. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, Lead yeah. paint. 
It's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, I have some high toxins that you can inject into your wiener, which will you know, <laughs> <laughs> make your syphilis. They yeah. make it better at sex things. Do yeah. <laughs> you like uh, some heavy metals yeah. in your mouth and or butt? Yes. <laughs> um, so actually, I mean, well, I'll, I'll do the context in a minute, but can I just ask about the ending? Because it is, it's like, see, the moral is not to do sin and sin will eventually catch up with you, which obviously that's not what the book right. is about. So it begs the question. I mean, so like one way I want to read, it's like if we if we basically do want to read this as kind of, you know, uh, like a story about the double life, a story about like what today maybe mm. we would call the kind of closet or like kind of just like prescribed and kind of like thought of as non-normative sexualities and the kind of like way they're hidden from the world, but like maybe in some ways worn on the face, then that, you know, that there is there, you know, and with from what's with Wilde's own biography, which we'll get to, there is like a deep kind of like tragedy in that, that like this has, you know, that at some point, like something does catch up with you, not in the sense of like reinstituting Victorian morality, but that that is kind of like the subtext here. So, I mean, that's one way maybe to think of that, but I mean, what do you, I don't know, like what, what do you guys think about that? Like very heavy handed moral didacticism of that ending there. I just think it's a joke yeah. and I don't yeah. know whether I'm reading too hard in that direction. I totally agree about the tragic and sort of poignant undertones, but I think that the story itself is so patently absurd Yeah. And it requires a one-to-one correspondence between your moral goodness and how good you look yeah. in yeah. such a way that it's just it, – it has to be a joke. It doesn't make any sense any other yeah. way. And like, right. And there, I mean, like, Wilde is not doing, like, 18th century physiognomy. Like, there's no way. Like, no, the no, claim no, no, no. is that, like, if you're hot, obviously you're a good person. Like, that is not happening here, you know? And, like, the ending, too, all of these people come into the room and are, like, who is this yeah. uggo old guy? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I, I I think it is like I think it is tragic, but I also think it is very comic as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I honestly like barely know mm-hmm. what to do with it. Like, I just I keep trying to have thoughts and then find myself shutting them down in my own mind. But I think part of it for me is about like the that there's no moral fixity to the work of art, right? So mm-hmm. it's like yeah, n- no moral work of art. You are as much a work of art as the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that sort of pose is what you're trying to constantly reinscribe. Yeah. No, he I, just th- has a picture to do it that makes it it makes it much easier for him because mm. he has this thing that gets to absorb it. But like everybody's basil well less, but like Henry's doing that for sure. No, definitely. I mean, and I think that does get us back to to like this text's love, and I think Wilde's generally love of uh of the paradox and irony that like it you know it it's kind of precisely about the refusal to stabilize meaning that makes it productive in some way and i think that does yeah. map onto like its questions about sexuality for sure i you know i mean and, and, and i think in ways that you could take like very kind of literally and historicist in ways that you could take like much more broadly conceptual but i, I think just like also generally it's kind of epistemological outlook of the world that it's like you know i mean as gr- as like fucking obnoxious as lord henry is there are certain things that he said you know there's certain like like a refusal to kind of abide by this like sort of like very kind of narrowly constrained sort of like moral code that it's like that yeah like that all right but that tells us some stupid things about that moral code itself you know so it's like it's both like an object of like some kind of comedy and scorn but also like yeah but don't we kind of agree with them sometimes you know 
Yeah. I mean, you're just getting me to think more about the moral quandaries of the novel as a whole. Yeah. And the whole Sybil thing really touches this nerve because the whole, the moral thing he was going to do was marry her. Like that was going to be a good thing. Yeah. Right. right for her ultimately. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I just, think that that she is such a character of melodrama too. It's like mm-hmm. you're, I mean, it's it, it, like, it's not tragic because it's so artificial on its face. Like this isn't a person in the world, right? I mean, this is and like- And she's, she's so goddamn annoying. Like it's she's impossible. So annoying. Yeah. yeah. yeah she's yeah, so yeah. fucking annoying. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, even the fact that it's like, it's when she, like her becoming alive to like the realness of desire, which it's like, oh, she's becoming too much of a person now. Like that, yeah. you know, it, it's almost like her, it's, yeah. I mean, it, it actually is that like she, her becoming less of a, a fictional character, which it's like, well, she obviously can't survive this story because that's not what we're doing, folks, you know? Right. Right. They all become right. like, yeah. And no. I, we talked about this, but like, Ugh. there's moments in the middle of the book in particular where Dorian is like turning him- himself into a literary character mm-hmm. in the middle of the novel that is also a fake novel. Yeah. Where he's yeah, like, yeah, I, he yeah. had his personality, his origins, and in literature and it's just like wild is like upping the fakery stakes all the time right so it's yeah. like sybil's an actress and dorian is like goes to parties and drag and like is a literary character and and his painting gets ugly for him when he does bad stuff yeah and henry is a quip factory like nobody is actually makes sense character wise no no they don't and you know and, and i mean that like this is like highly non-realist in, in its form yeah. too yeah, right yeah, yeah. so like so that nodding to that is like a, i mean it, it's wiki very very heavily when it does when it does that shit you know context yeah so i'll say a few things context wise so again i just want i have to start here less britain tried to claim wild since he did write one of the great victorian novels he was quite irish uh d- never never forget that <laughs> um, he was born in dublin in 1856 and his mom jane wild was a poet and a strident nationalist his dad william was a surgeon so the wilds were solidly petty bourgeois but also kind of part of an uh, of intellectual and interesting political circles Oscar Wilde uh, studied at both at Trinity College Dublin and Oxford and kind of started out as an academic in sort of like a modern sense of that term, like as kind of a professional literary critic and scholar. He did very well in school. Uh, he, he was also a journalist, a poet, a playwright. Um, as I said, Dorian, the picture of Dorian Gray's his only novel. He's associated with the aesthetic movement and the decadent movement, the, the first of which includes people like Walter Pater, uh, whom Wilde studied with, and, and the second, Charles, uh, Charles Baudelaire, whom, whom Wilde very much admired. Uh, and, and both the aesthetic and decadent movements in various ways kind of emphasize beauty and a commitment to uh, like aesthetic principles over didacticism or, or heavy-handed moralism, which did characterize so much of 19th century uh, British literature. As we've said, Wilde loved irony and paradox, uh, as you see in Dorian Gray. And and one of his aesthetic writings, which I love, is called The Decay of Lying. <laughs> you know, so. But if Ricky Gervais invented lying yeah. after, then how did it already <laughs> oh decay? God, fucking... 
fucking uh, yeah like transphobe asshole <laughs> ricky Gervais. that was uh, uh shit. Yeah. yeah that was uh that was and anytime anyone says something mean to him he's canceled in his mind no i know yeah <laughs> yes yeah multi 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 fucking millionaire getting yet yeah, anyway as a, as, a, as a fan of the original office that was very disappointing the oh, turn yeah. he took but yeah yeah so okay so the decay of lie obviously meant to be a provocative title uh it kind of puts forward the idea of the lie as creating beautiful fiction that's what it does he also this is baller wrote an essay called the soul of man under socialism that claimed capitalism was holy humanity for reaching its full potential because we have to spend so much time addressing the symptoms of the problems it causes which yeah that's true that's 100 yeah accurate. good job yeah yeah, excellent. yeah thanks yeah. no notes well, well welcome can we get Conrad. somebody yeah let's, <laughs> let's distribute this yeah yeah, no, it's it's good. It's good shit. So by the 1890s, wild sexuality was kind of an open secret in London literary and high society circles. For obvious reasons, as we've gotten into, Dorian Gray has been taken at least in part as about queerness, you know, doesn't at all hide its references to attraction between men. And a lot of the angry chud late Victorian reviewers responded to exactly that. So the Scots Observer said, quote, if he can write for none but outlawed noblemen and perverted telegraph boys, the sooner he takes to tailoring or some other decent trade, the better for his own reputation and the public morals. Um, <laughs> Oh man, I should have done that in a like kind of arch Scott Presbyterian accent too. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, man. You could just do Rod Dreyer, and it would be the same thing. Yeah, yeah no, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was are we sure Rod Dreyer's not a time traveler? So and the, the Telegraph Boys line is actually a reference to a contemporary scandal involving homosexual sex workers, which uh, Robert McGall's Penguin edition tells us, like readers of the time would have absolutely understood. Like this, yeah. the, this like the, this was like very contemporaneous. Blah, blah, blah. White House interns. Get that joke? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's uh, the Jay Leno of I know. I was going to say trot, trot out 1990s Jay Leno. Your, your chin's getting longer and longer. Uh yeah. I thought Jay Leno was here on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> How do we get Jay Leno? Um, <clears throat> Maybe that's what? Yeah. <laughs> so as I said, yeah. So while I was persecuted for sexuality, he had a relationship with a nobleman, Lord Alfred Douglas, who was the uh, one of the sons of the ninth Marquess of Queensbury, who's actually the Queensbury Rules boxing guy. So we have modern prize fighting to thank for this Whoa. asshole as well. Uh, nice. And famously, the Marquis, after like repeated blowups with his son over his sexuality, the Marquis left a note for Wilde at Wilde's club addressed to Oscar Wilde posing as Somdomite because aristocrats are both <laughs> reactionaries and morons. Yep. I actually want to close read this here. Here's the thing. Like, we're this, this is a deeply stupid person. Like, Somdomite is – that is a hard uh, misspelling to do when you are writing with a quill pen, right? That's true, like, yeah. Like, but – that but, is but, not easy. But but leave that alone. So he, that he, that's what he thinks the word is. But also posing as. So it's like, are you implying that he's not? Like right. you seem to be undercutting like your own message here. I think yeah. he just thinks the word posing is fancy in some way, right? Like he's trying. No, to, he like, thinks it's gay. Like right, that's yes, what yes, he thinks. Yes, that's yeah, yeah, what yeah, he yeah. thinks. Oh. So, he's that yeah. stupid. I think. Like yes. strike a pose. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's very, oh, very, dude. very dumb man. As he's as just the a just a dumb homophobe. Yeah, dumb homophobe. I still think Victorian he intended dude. to say posting as somdomite, and he means that 
that Oscar Wilde is incredible at Twitter. Yeah. I, I, I mean, he would have been. There's no question, right? I mean, quips. Yeah, these are posts. These yeah. are posts. <laughs> yeah. These totally are tweets. His entire, yeah. all his little statements. Absolutely. Uh, so Wilde tries to, ill-advisedly, it has to be said, as, as all of Wilde's friends were like, dude, just let this go. Uh, Wilde oh, tried yeah. to sue him for libel, which Oof. resulted in the Marquis hiring legions of private investigators to look into Wilde's personal life. The Marquis was acquitted on on that you know the, that evidence. Uh, Wilde was then tried for gross indecency, spent a couple years in jail, and died shortly thereafter. So very very sad. Man, I should have looked this up. Uh, but yeah, it's like there's 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 hilarious letters between uh, the Marquis of Queensbury and Alfred Douglas, where like where Queensbury just like raging fucking like you asshole, I cursed the day you were born, and like Alfred Douglas, who unfortunately later in life was kind of a fascist sympathizer, uh, many oh, years good. after this. But at this period, he responds to he just was like, "What a funny little man you are," <laughs> which is like so great. <laughs> I mean, you could imagine. That's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, this fucking thick-headed aristocrat chud just. Yeah, I, I, so yeah, to wrap up, I do think this is a radical text in the best of ways. Uh, the exploration of sexuality for sure, but also against late Victorian chuditude generally. Uh, I mentioned the liberatory potential of Wilde's aesthetic philosophy. Just one more point on that. There's a great article by Chiara Ferrari in 19th century prose that argues Dorian Gray attempts the aestheticization of science as a way of subverting what Wilde took to be the anti-humanist drives of Victorian science and epistemology. And I mean, given the dark purposes some Victorian scientists put to, like, you know, eugenics, diagnosing criminality, right? Uh, my man wasn't wrong about that. So, yeah. So we do think it, we, we can't quite parse the ending, right? Like, it's this comedy tragedy thing mm-hmm. that necessarily means we read paradoxically. Yeah. Right? So it's like the yeah. comedy tragedy paradox is hard for me, especially in a book where everybody is a fake and a painting and an actor and a fraud and i i mean i i actually do think that the comedy is quite important so i don't want to like insist that we have to like stay with the tragedy but i do wonder i mean if that i I don't know i like i keep coming back to that with ideas of just like the kind of the the closet and they sort of like prescribed Mm -hmm. in that you know i mean the sense of like okay living living the life that sort of late victorian society says you have to which you know is a lie probably people around you know is a lie but you sort of have to do it because that you know and and that that i don't know i mean like that is a paradox i guess right i mean it's like ironic in a tragic way but also that you know i think you know opens the potential for for comedy like working through that or Mm -hmm. something you know to me there's the huge distinction between performing and concealing yeah I, i mean in this I'm not saying across the board all the time, but it seems like what is the irony piece to me, or maybe not irony, but just the tension is that you can't read this as tragic, but also you have to because formally it is. Yeah. Yeah. Technically it is, but no one is. So you're not getting attached to Dorian Gray. No. You're not getting attached to anyone. It's not really that sad that Basil gets boinked in the vein and killed. You can't care that much even about the saddest stuff that happens because it will, A, I think it's very short. Yeah. So that's part of it. Yeah. Well, and they're just, I mean, none of them are- And they barely have an interiority. Yes. Sorry, go ahead. 
they barely and, and I think honestly the fact that they're all aristocrats is important there too, yeah. right? That they're all you yeah. know, like they're yeah, like they're, they're these are not people that like have a lot of kind of uh, uh, uh they're not character they're not drawn as characters in a way that's gonna invite a lot of like real sympathetic capacity. Uh, like Lord Fuckington the third, I don't really care <laughs> yeah, about yeah, yeah. Well and, and like also like I mean the the all those like florid uh descriptions of flowers and stuff like that. I mean, I think like on the one hand, I think Wilde's like, how fucking pretty can I make this? sentence let's see but i think he's all i mean like you know we're not just being shitheads like laughing at that i think it's also like it, this is pretty funny like, we're right? laughing like, with you, it. He knows. no it's like it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you get the knows. joke like yeah, i would say that the flowers are, are sex objects yeah. you know? like, so. oh everything is like for fucking with yeah yeah and but i think and this is like a historical question not a not a statement but like would the the closet as a sort of form change if he were in wild's case like hadn't been fucking an aristocrat yeah oh that seems to be the place where things went wrong well it does wonder and yeah i mean i i wish i like were more of a wild scholar to be able to to like uh, address that specifically but i think that you know uh well okay so like just like let's say within the book the fact that the aristocracy, like, because there's all these conversations between Lord for Henry and his dipshit aristocrat friends, where basically they're like, we fuck whoever we want because we're aristocrats right. and we can. That, like, you know, so it, I, I do wonder if even beyond the kind of like sexual mores, if like the relationship between Wilde and uh, and Alfred Douglas, you know, like class, infl- like if it was just aristocrats question, really. fucking each other, like aristocratic men, yeah. like, well, okay, that's, that's long established as practice. But who the fuck is this Irish, like middle class, like shithead who is like, you know, y- you know what I mean? Yeah. That that, 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 that is what the, 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 the actual tension there was. And he must have come out of the come out of the ether in a way that felt like Dorian Gray does. You know, yeah, yeah. it's tempting to read those parallels there. Dorian yeah. sure. seems to come from nowhere, right? Yeah, he's he another does. one of these characters that you're like, well, okay, he's Aristo, like he has money. He comes out of the painting. Yeah. He comes out of the painting. Yeah, you're There's, right. He comes yeah. out of the painting, and but he has no history. It's not like. Well, nobody has any history in this book, but well, no, that's not yeah. true. Sybil has a mother who was an actor, and that establishes her in a class position. Yeah, 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 and they're yeah that they're in this kind of uh, third rate sort of like theater. Yeah, that yeah. is yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and no, I mean, if you have it, family it, members, you have a class position. Yeah, and and and, and uh, I think there, there's one scene where uh, Lord Henry goes to visit his his uh, uncle, I think, who is also an aristocrat and like has some kind of government position, and yeah. and he's like, yeah, who is oh Dorian Gray, huh? And he's like, oh yeah, he was adopted by this other aristocrat who hate him, and the uncle's like, oh yeah, I th- that sounds right, I don't care stop talking about this you know like it's that yes that he like he has he has it's like oh yeah we we know where he came from but we don't really or does it there's just no substance given to that you know right and nobody cares because he can hang and he's he's hot got an yeah he's sexy man yeah Yeah. i guess i don't i don't understand what he's supposed to be some sort of a blonde wonder i don't get it but yeah he's composed of parts i think is how yeah. i take that right so it's like he has this flower face and he's blonde and yeah he has the qualities that a hot man ought to of quality hot man parts but like that's mm. i don't i don't have a mental image of him it's just like he's put together of, of hot man parts yeah and it's and the youth part is also super important because you think because they're youth it's the paintings taking his sins or whatever else but it's also 
aging for him too, which is mm-hmm. he's connecting those two things in a way that are like, these are both, the painting will take care of both of those equally, same way. We just stick it on and you don't have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. do a murder, we'll put it on the painting. If you get old and wrinkly, we'll stick that on the painting too. And I wonder, there, now I'm thinking something which is like, well, he doesn't, if he doesn't age, then he keeps trying to learn shit and not absorb anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? And so it's like, yeah. well, if the painting is absorbing something like knowledge for you. Yeah. Yeah. He reads the painting. He can read the painting, which yeah. is the weird part. Yeah. The painting isn't absolving him in any way. No, not or at even all. Bearing any of the burden of any of it except for the aesthetic version of that burden. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, and that, but one of the things that that calls my attention to is just the, I don't know, does it reflect on everybody's fraudulence then, right? Because like we know, again, I keep calling us back to like everybody's an actor, everybody's fake or whatever. And it's like, you know, fake friends, but. And jealous bitches. <laughs> and jealous bitches. <laughs> but like he's, they're, they're just literalizing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really it's a really uh, well fun novel to read. It really is. It's also, I mean, it, there's a lot of really sort of important questions it's working with, but I, yeah, I mean, I find it hard though to kind of come to, and I think that's, that's part of the point, like coming to a stable in, interpretation is, is like, deli- is quite challenging. And I mean, mm-hmm. part of it is like, tr- is moving between kind of comedy and tragedy and, and like really probably more in comedy, I think, but, but still, I mean, it, and it, it's also so hard for me to kind of like separate really almost anything Wilde was writing from this period to like what was about to happen to like him as a historical person, you know, but I also, but you know, like that's also not because the whole thing with the, with the Marquis of Queensbury is like four years after this, you know, so it's like, I don't know, I, I feel like maybe that that uh, that there's some danger in trying to read back from like Wilde's later life onto like what this novel might be trying to say. I mean, this book is also trying explicitly trying to like forestall interpretation. And that's part of where we're getting trapped, caught, caught, not trapped. Yeah. Is that like when you have an introduction like this, it's flagging you. It's telling you like all of your interpretations are going to be obstruction in some way because I'm going to like throw something else across your path that fucks with the tone of the novel or that like fucks with anything that could be moralizable or like have any usefulness. And so like now, you know, as smart as our thoughts can be about this, I also have to sort of throw up my hands and say like, well, it does all this work to block you. Yeah. And and also, I mean... I really have sort of a great appreciation for what Wilde does here as an 18th centuryist in that the whole fucking first 200 years of the English novel was a bunch of like, you know, socially conservative reactionaries being like, is this teaching women to have sexy thoughts? Oh my God, <laughs> it's perverted the children. Oh, this, and, and like, and so like every night it's like, uh-huh. Okay. All right. Guess we're doing moral didacticism. And a lot of people pushed like, I mean, Lawrence Stern certainly pushed against that, but I, I, I always feel wild right it's like okay we've been doing this for 200 fucking years are you serious like this is still yeah. you you want me to tell you a fucking nice little fable okay fine he stabbed the painting and then and then the pee turned old and the pain it's like there you go asshole you know yeah and, that's right and and i think that like you know that that, that those those uh those reviewers at the time were like <gasps> you know it's so shallow it's like even they got like okay i think he's telling us to go fuck ourselves yes. you know uh, yeah which is great he was hey, totally on. fucking around yeah <laughs> yeah do we want to play a game? Yeah, let's play a game. That's great. 
Let's play a game. So if you are going to be as corrupt as an evil painting, you are going to need to get around a little bit. And Dorian Gray does that. And uh, what I'd like to know is, could you two do that? How evil is your painting going to look? Okay. You know? Like, just just how awful can you be? And the way that we're going to find that out, of course, is so there's a lot of negging that goes on in this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's quite a lot of it. And that is a technique of the pickup artistry. So it is a philosophy of of, of love making, of (laughs) making ladies go home with you. Yes. (laughs) Of making ladies go home with you. Mm. Once I was in a bar with a group of gentlemen who were learning to be pickup artists. Oh, my God. So they were just no. kind of practicing on everyone. Oh, shit. I mean, I, I knew this existed in the wild, but, like, to actually see it up close must have been um, awful and awesome. Like, like a zoo. <laughs> like, what the fuck, you know? Like, and what did yeah. the zoo animals do? Did they <laughs> yeah. neg you? It, the zoo animals didn't neg, but they were – Okay, so this one guy, it was right before I was going to grad school. And so the, the, the whole thing is like you just don't leave the person alone. You yeah. just And you just cycle from lady to lady. And this guy was like, you, I, we, I, I can't remember what he was trying to get out of me. But I was like, I'm going to Chicago. I'm leaving. And I just kept kind of pushing up my flight in the conversation. And by the time <laughs> we parted ways, I was on my way to the airport. <laughs> and it was, I wasn't going for like a week. <laughs> uh, that's great. That's oh, great. I, mean, I also really great. love that you could, a person can and should say to a dude, like, I'm not interested. And they're like, yeah, you are. Yeah. What oh, if I yeah. said something mean to you? though yeah 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 (laughs) and then i'm gonna prove i'm cool to you and you're wearing that hat (laughs) right it's like (laughs) no sir dazzle camouflage or whatever they call it (laughs) yep Uh uh-huh um peacocking yeah it's called peacocking oh Oh, right dazzle camouflage is an actual animal quality (laughs) (laughs) it's something i respect what i yeah it's uh, it's there for a reason But um, I found a really great website uh, called mensxp.com um, slash dating slash seduction science. Um, and there's a, there's a quiz. There's a quiz to find out whether you're a pickup artist. Naturally. And so, yeah. I've and, only uh, been married for 11 years. <laughs> I let Men's XP do my homework for me for this episode. So uh, you're allowed to be married for as many years as you want to. God. You know, I just I shit on the eighties and nineties. The two thousands were fucking horrible too. We're at this period where like Unbearable. Each, each decade is even somehow worse than the decade before. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Somehow more deeply tragic. Yeah. But yeah, this is just a straight ahead quiz and I am I'm not gonna edit this. Yeah. Um yeah. Question one Where do you usually go to pick up women? And they, they've given the answers in one, two, or three. Uh-huh. So, okay. I'm doing A, B, C. A, pubs and bars. B, coffee shops. Or C, I pester my female friends to introduce me to their girlfriends. Oh, my God. Or, or four women pick me up. Up is capitalized. 
So wait, so we're tr- like that. We're trying to be like a Dorian Gray painting. Is that the object here? So are we trying to pick like the worst ads or like that? Like of, of all of these, is that is no, that we're, the- tr- we're trying to reflect our real our real oh. selves? Oh God! Just okay. to see, and I mean, you can do. You can also <laughs> as acting. Yeah. Acting is something. So it could be you know if you want to answer these as your alter ego, whatever you want to do, like The Sims or something like that. Yeah. Sure. Yes, and you've taken the pool ladder out and everything. Instead. Yeah, um yeah. so where are you going? Or or are women picking you up, you know? God, okay. Uh well, I hate I mean, I like my ideal bar is dead quiet and there's like two people in it. Oh. Coffee shop. The bartender's not even there. Coffee, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and if they are, they're not, you know, they're probably not saying anything. Coffee shops also annoy me. I get coffee and leave. Uh, my, you know, like, <laughs> pestering my 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 female. That's always like tell, right? The female, female, female. Um, yep. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I guess I get I get uh, women pick me up because I'm so cool. That yeah, that's what we'll go with. Yeah, I love that your your friends nice of all move. genders wouldn't be friends with women. That's always like the <laughs> biggest red flag oh, oh of my all. God. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Is yeah, going out sure. with a man who has no women yeah. friends. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, like yeah. absolutely out of the yeah. question. There's, there's yeah. There's multiple. Yeah red flags of that one line right there for sure but <laughs> yeah. yeah sure i'm yeah i'm fucking i'm fucking don juan casanova fucking you know like yeah. I'm, yeah i don't i don't i yeah they they come to me man i make <laughs> yeah. i make Dude. my friends hook me up. yeah oh, okay you're, so you're pastor okay. i love it right. um so okay uh question number two when you see a hot chick <laughs> yeah when you see a hot chick how long do you wait before you approach her a three seconds. B <laughs> within two minutes. Just enough time to figure out a possible conversation starter. C when I see a chick I'm really interested in, I do everything I can to make myself invisible. D I prefer to make my presence known to her by flashing a wide grin and a nod. <laughs> chicks, like chicks, chicks like, man, dudes only. Chicks. No chicks, man. Like <laughs> I make a beeline for the chicks. <laughs> Like, oh god this is so sad uh well all right i'll stick i'll stick with the persona i've adopted for the last one yeah. where i they come to me with all i gotta do is smile yeah it's so hot it's not yeah you just not yeah you just smile you just you just yeah. smile and just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're really maniacal sitting there going <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, yeah. Hi. <laughs> uh, I I just wait two seconds and slam myself, just like just slam right into him. That's, yeah, you're just you're just like a bowl in a chick that's shop. Alpha, that's, just that's alpha that's energy. Shit, yeah, you're like it's a chick seeking like, missile. Yeah, yeah, like, like, like hair trigger. Like ah, like was just, it bon- just yeah. I just like to bonk right into him. Like yeah. don't even slow down. Oh, yeah, God. just do like a whale to a boat. You know, yeah, just like exactly. ram it a little. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of, what's your approach style? A, I approach at an angle, always making it seem that I am not interested in her, but I'm still willing to talk to her, but only for a couple seconds. B, I walk straight up to her, giving her a strong eye contact. C, the creepiest option, I quietly sneak up from behind and tap her on the back. Or D, I am so F star 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 C K I N G. What word is that? I don't know. (laughs) For hot that I approach me. 
Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> to use. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I just am like having a really hard time visualizing the second one where I approach like a hermit crab yeah. and like <laughs> skitter over at a diagonal angle. <laughs> and you approach at an angle and then kind of fade into the background and then come back. I'm gonna go with my alpha persona and walk straight up. Yeah. And okay. again, well, like I- just bonk right into her. Yeah, I mean, just give her strong eye contact. Don't do anything else. Just look right in the eye. <laughs> Again, not creepy at all. No, yeah. no, God, no. Yeah, I mean, they, they, to tap it on the back, that's 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 great too, right? Like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I yeah, two no things. One, I no one would like shriek that. if you did that. No, God, no. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, the uh, two things. I mean, one, this is definitely dude dudes rock material, right? Oh, uh, but rock. but I so okay. So I I should say four D or whatever. Uh, to stick with that but can i say that like the the the, can i tell you guys the dork like i mean you guys know how you got a huge dork i am so uh, you said angle and like and i was like oh angle of attack like which is how the the trajectory that a plane is on when it's from the horizon oh god (laughs) the way the ship you approach the way the ship comes into a dock i'm 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 looking at my artificial horizon here to tell me how much yaw to put into it. (laughs) That's the dork. Is that the dorkiest thing I said on the show? It might be. How much yaw? Took your wife to Walter Scott's house. It's got some competition, but I'll go with that. Penny whistle. (laughs) Do I have... Where is that? <laughs> somewhere, okay. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say that. I, in part because I'm curious what's going to happen to the results. If I, I also I, think you have yeah. transformed the scuttling over like a hermit crab, which is already awful enough, yeah. into yeah. An dork territory. Me- yeah, and like in an airplane metaphor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Which, you know, I like it. It's on brand. Yeah. Um, okay. Your favorite pickup line. This is important. Hey, guys, I got to go in a second. But can I get your opinion on something? Who lies more, girls or guys? <laughs> B. Those are some cool earrings. Where did you get them? C. I was hoping you wouldn't block my pop-up slash heaven call. They said they were missing an angel. Yes. Or D. So me, you, dance? Cool. I have to assume they're at a funeral. <laughs> I do tell people I like their earrings all the time, but I don't do it to pick them up. Yeah, okay. So yeah. I'm just going to go with a straight compliment. I'm just going to say, like, I bumped right into you twice. I like your earrings. Okay. I like- While making <clears throat> dead-ass the- eye contact. <laughs> yep. the, the the angel one is cool. Like, you know, the vein of, like, did it hurt when you fell from heaven? Right? <laughs> uh, why not? Let's sure. This is just getting worse. Yeah. Let's go there. You know, c- commit. Absolutely. Okay. Here's the last question uh, because I can't do this anymore. Yeah. This is the, yeah, um, yeah, fair. This, this, yeah. I'm feeling why, like I need a shower. Yeah. And I'm going to read this. I'm not making any changes. While chatting up a big boobied chick, how do you handle her assets? A, I pay no attention to her tits. As far as I'm concerned, she has no tits at all. Smooshy, smooshy. Uh, uh. Honk, honk. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> B, I compliment her on her eyes. Of course, I have no idea what color they are, since all I can see are her dot dot dot. I like that they pulled back. Yeah, in like a- why they're they're <laughs> yeah. white? They're being coy. Like they 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 like bleeped the fuck word. And now they're like, I can't well, say boobies anymore. <laughs> yeah, what? My my whole theory of the like PUA culture, right, is that these these people they're like they're studded at like sixth grade kind oh, this of mental, right? Pure you know, Beavis like, and Butt. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. This yeah. is pulling ponytails. Yeah. yeah. Um. See, I swear I wasn't staring at her boobs. I was just too nervous to look her in the eye. Yeah. Um. That's the honest option. Yeah. But uh, or D, the the cool guy choice. If a girl has big tits, they're up for grabs. Oh, oh, the the like the direct the sexual assault, assault. <laughs> the sexual assault one, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah, uh huh, yeah. Well, actually, it it's a, tits are a di- are two dials, and <laughs> if you kind of just God. turn, if you just walk up to somebody and just kind of turn them, uh, you can get you can get air conditioning, heat, you can change all kinds of things about the room and your reality. You know, just um, that's how. I'm, that's that's how it all works. I'm gonna go with C because let's be honest, that's who all of these guys are, right? Is the that's you know, true. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, other than the ones who are directly fucking like sexual like uh, criminals, right? But, right. Yeah. Uh, but I just I I like the uh, tits. I didn't see any tits. She didn't have any tits. I didn't have any tits. Yeah. There's there's no one where you're the like the eyes bulge out and the the tongue rolls oh, out of the mouth yeah. Like, yeah. like out of the yeah because the, yeah it's like uh, yeah again six, sixth graders sixth right. graders yeah, from the Pepe Le Pew yeah. School of Seduction yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm not gonna do that uh, I am gonna compliment her eyes though yeah okay okay you're gonna compliment her eyes because and... I've been staring her dead in the eyeballs for so long. That right. it's only yeah. appropriate. I haven't been like staring her in the booby eyeballs. No, <laughs> I'm. A- well, depends how tall, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. All right, are you are you ready? Are you ready to find out your your answers? Yes, of course. Okay, Megan, you are on your way. To becoming a great cookie cutter pickup artist. What's yeah. a cookie met- cutter pickup artist? Oh. There's cookies though. You get cookies. Oh no. Okay, that's cool. You make <laughs> yeah. cookies as the pickup artist strategy. Okay. <laughs> you show up with yes. a bar with yeah. freshly baked chocolate. My cookies <laughs> bring all the boys to the yard. Yeah. <laughs> like literally, exactly. right? Like yeah. I, mean, it's, I got cookies. <laughs> I got cookies. <laughs> yeah. Men are idiots. Uh, <laughs> Your methods aren't original, but they're nonetheless very effective. Using the methods taught by self-styled pickup artists, you've started attracting more females. Mother Nature <laughs> ever intended you to. Yeah, Why do all of these have another another dork reference? But this is this one's earned. Why do they all talk like Ferengis? Females. <laughs> 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 yeah, they're doing. <laughs> Because they took the lo- long lessons yeah, from, from the TNG. TNG, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. But, Tristan, you're going to love this. Uh, mostly for God's gift to womankind. You have the looks of Brad Pitt and the personality of a dodo. Since you mm-hmm. have gotten used to girls throwing themselves at you, you've never felt the need to work on your personality. Yeah. That might be the reason. Why you find it so hard to get a steady girlfriend. Mm. Since you're already so confident, cutting back a bit on your super alpha attitude will actually 
help you attract more women. I mean, many people. So you're have, too hot to live. Many people yeah. have compared <laughs> me to Brad Pitt. I guess that never happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah, people do look like him. He looks like a guy that. No, I mean, he is. He, 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 there's a. I mean, yeah. I, I think there was a lot of theories about like Brad Pitt's uh, appeal, but like the the the, the blackness. I actually think it's kind <laughs> yeah, of. Yeah, there's a bit of a flat. Yeah. Flat yeah. blonde yeah. man of human attractive, I suppose. Yeah. Right. He's a good Dorian, yeah. He'd be good Dorian Gray. Yeah, he would be yeah. a good Dorian Gray, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, so tone it down, Tristan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> be less hot. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah, just, I'll try, guys. I'll do my. Best. Can you do reverse <laughs> Charles Atlas and be a before? <laughs> Timely <laughs> jokes here. Better at the dead. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know what you're in for. Um, but this has been better at than dead. You can find me on Twitter at Tussersaurus. You can find Tristan on Twitter at TJ Schweiger. You can find Katie on Twitter at Katie Crywo. You can find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BetterEdPod, and email us at BetterEdPodcast at gmail.com, but only if you have written a sequel to The Soul of Man Under Socialism, because we will read it and talk about it and love it. It's called What is to be Done. <laughs> it's called What is to be Done. That's true. Let him uh, like, ah, I see it. you, Oscar Wilde, and I, I've got your sequel. <laughs> it's right here. Um, our intro music is Love Bronstein by the Redskins and used with their permission. Our logo was created by Jane Bonsack of JB Design and Content. Please rate and review and subscribe. If you are new here, just give us five stars, bro. It's so easy and we love it. Yeah. And you could do it. A lot of yes. you are new here. Yeah, we believe in you. We believe in you. <laughs> Next week, we have William Godwin's Caleb Williams, and we have our two-parter on Herman Melville's Enormo Triad of Sibling Delights. Pierre on deck after that. Mind Thanks, run. comrades. Don't mess too much with your hair, or by the time you're 40, it will look 85. Be careful whose advice you buy, but... Be patient with those who supply it. Advice is a form of nostalgia. Dispensing it is a way of fishing the past from the disposal, wiping it off, painting over the ugly parts, and recycling it for more than it's worth. But trust me, on the sunscreen.